0: You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. So, All right, well, let's so see cool how much stuff. you listen to the podcast. All right. Uh-oh. Hello, Sue
1: Hello, David. Okay, <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs>
0: we, we were joking that there was going to be a quiz after because we just asked our guest Sue staff if she listened to the podcast. But obviously, if she had, she would know the intro goes a little like this. Hello, Michael. Hello, Andre. Okay, even you screwed this up.
2: No, I haven't. You usually
0: go, Andre, how are you
2: doing? I'm just... Like, do I have to play both parts today? Like, I'm being helped by nobody here. Well, what I'm... I'm, I think I'm just overwhelmed because, first of all, we had dinner. Um, Oh,
0: yeah, you make mean burnt ends. Thank you very much.
2: Delicious. Uh, And... and and then we sat down at uh usually we do this either at your and we got a dog on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's not Henry. <laughs> it's not Henry this time. That's not my so, stomach. <laughs> so it it better not be. Um, we saw you pack it away. We, um yeah, uh, but yeah. anyway, what uh what I so usually it's either your place or 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 my place, the 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 I guess Hamilton studio or the Niagara studio. Now we are on location, right at Sue Ann's Stass dining room table, and anybody who's been which to which municipality desk, would
0: this be? Lincoln.
1: This is Lincoln. Welcome so to the studio. So we're time. in the Lincoln studio. Lincoln studio,
2: the Lincoln mm-hmm. studio. and
1: which apparently, been... like
0: CKTV broadcasts out of this dining room.
1: They have, yeah, they've done, yeah, they've like, put seven shows from this room. Right, where Tim Dennis is out right where you are, Shelby. Fantastic. Right where I am. Yeah.
2: So we're we're at this table, and I, I, I now I've been at this table before. When your mother's made some really awesome grilled cheese, grilled oh cheese my God, your grilled cheese sandwich.
0: I, I'm not going to lie, I was super, super tempted to um, to bring grilled cheese for dinner tonight. Oh, right, yes. Just because it is my, like, my favorite memories of, like, 10 years ago, starting to write about wine. It's wrapped up, you did the grilled cheese for right? Not get fresh.
1: You got it wrapped up in the valley. Yeah. And, like,
0: every year it'd be a different grilled cheese. That's where, like, I think, I remember the first year I tasted it was um, apple and brie. Grilled well, cheese. The
1: it was apple, granny smith apples and Swiss yeah. with a Tony DeLuca recipe on top for uh, onion marmalade. Yeah,
0: I was going to say the onion marmalade on that. Yeah. No, I've so got, go I've got a, a that recipe that you need to use at, at some point if you haven't for what? a jalapeno popper grilled
1: cheese. <gasps> Ooh, so, jalapeno popper grilled cheese. I'm in. Sign me up. Yeah, so yep. what I
2: originally, when I said that we would, we had jokingly said we'll bring dinner and she said yes so we we actually did you yeah did. Um, it was delicious so i think she thought we were kidding and we thought we were kidding and then we weren't kidding no um but i was about to say uh, we'll just have your mom make us some grilled cheese so <laughs> that was that was what i wanted to say but i went with something completely different all right all right, all right. so Next this time. podcast is
0: part of a series and i think we now have enough podcasts that if you've missed any in the past i'll have it grouped up um in a playlist on soundcloud.com slash two guys talking wine but um, as we said, as penance for me hijacking the podcast last year with my agenda, mm-hmm. with with the this say year. it louder. Please. No, no, it's fine. And you know, I what?
2: think that still counts as a as a swear jar. Thing. Fine, I'll throw my nickel in. Um, Andres nickel- not allowed to say Chardonnay. Oh,
1: wrong! Right. Because last
2: year he took it all over. It mm-hmm.
1: always Chardonnay. And yes. it's all about. And Chardonnay. I
0: mean, for people who listen to this religiously, I'm sorry that we explain it every time we do the podcast like this, <laughs> but it's radio formatics that. We're hoping that some people who are listening to this podcast, there might be this first time, their first time or their second time. So I know you're tired of hearing. It. I got an email that was fairly critical of some of the repetition that we do on the podcast. Your criticism has been noted, but it's basic radio formatics that you need to it re-explain certain things. So uh, I
2: apologize for the repetitiveness. There, there are certain things you obviously don't have to, uh, you know, give people context for. Like if we were talking about the Nazis, well then. You know, we don't have to. You know, Geez, you went.
1: Dark fast on we that. know exactly what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, so see, you know exactly <laughs> what we're talking Anyways, about. Anyway, we so don't have to. But we, we are we're talking about Chardonnay.
0: Cabernet Franc today.
1: Awesome. Yes, Woo.
0: because and you, you and I were you and I were going through the list of um, like who are the masters of Cabernet Franc in the and who's really like 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 raising the flag for it and. Unfortunately, it wasn't about about your winery, Sue though, but it was about your work at
2: Pilateri, where we were just oh, like... We were just we yeah. were just talking about it, and right. then uh, I think I, I ended up talking to you really briefly, and you said, we're making nine.
1: Oh, yes, yeah, well... And then I went,
2: yeah. oh, oh yeah, okay, so yeah, <laughs> yes, definitely.
1: Well, well it's, and, it's, and, and, it's, and I,
0: just, I just want to throw in from your greatest hits as well. Like, I started writing about wine in 2010, and I remember meeting right. you at Megalomaniac, where you were working right. before... Yeah. And I think you're the first winemaker that explained to me challenging vintage because I remember, I'm sure the wine didn't age
2: well. And, that, and that's, that's, that's the new bricks. That's the new sound. bricks. That's if new anybody bricks, knows. Uh, unfortunately, bricks, the original bricks had passed away. And you know, our condolences to the winery oh, and to you, you uh,
1: yes.
2: on that. But uh, he you, was you,
1: over 11 years old. For a Bernie's Mountain Dog, that's substantial. So sure. he, led, he led a really great
2: life. So I. And I hope I've you're not getting flagged for it, so but you times. went out and got a new brick. So this is bricks bravo, <laughs>
1: right? Because on the farm, you don't change dog names, you just stick with the name and, and keep on going. So we had bear like nine different bears, and uh, or Rex or Blackie or or you know, whatever your dog name is. So to differentiate. First one now is Bricks Alpha, which is appropriate because he was a bit of a of an alpha. alpha yeah. Yeah. And this is uh, Bricks Bravo, which um, you know works because like Bravo always gotta fill in the shoes of the previous guy. Yep. Yeah. And that means the next dog is already named. That's Brix Charlie, Bricks Delta, Bricks Echo, Foxtrot. And uh, we're really Rick's embracing...
2: Fox Now
0: that's going <laughs> to be the... embracing yeah. the
1: radio uh, called signs, so um, call sign.
0: So letters. So sorry, just going back to where I was talking about Megalomaniac, I mm. remember like being a young wine writer tasting the 2008 Frank Cabernet. And it was like right. 25 bucks a bottle. And that wine was stellar when it was young. I never <laughs> kept any in the cellar because I didn't know any better at the time. But I remember you talking about challenging vintage. But I think that was a moment too where, you know, I already loved Ontario wines, but that was what really hooked me in were wines like that where it was just like okay it doesn't what, matter whether Cabernet well $25 Cabernet Franc but you know even though it's a it's a challenging vintage because remember you like I, I, you didn't I don't think you, we didn't have a relationship at that point beyond yeah. you knowing that I was working for CFRB but it's just like sure. you smiled and was just like yeah it was a challenging vintage and I did not <laughs> understand what that meant at the time I understand right. what it means now
2: but like I just appreciated the quality of the wine and it was Cabernet Franc right. so so what what happened was as we were saying we were sitting at this table and we sat down, and there's this page in front of us, and she's actually printed off the wines that we will be tasting. So, and they're all Cab Franc, uh, and and it's pretty impressive because I don't think even, I don't think even Thomas has uh, printed anything out for us, and he's been on the podcast, oh, I don't know, half a dozen times, and he never printed off a damn thing. I know, and look at like
0: that beautiful book that he put together for the two release this year. We never get any book yeah, I mean, like that or, book anything, or nothing.
2: So. We, at least we got a sheet
1: right here. I so think this I'm is, winning then. This is you awesome. are winning. Hashtag winning
2: score. <laughs> So um, you know what? The, the, wow, I, I really don't know where to start this podcast with you, Sue Anne, because in theory, you 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 probably could be a part of our legacy series because you guys have been growing for how long?
1: Ooh. Or, well, our oldest vineyard on the property here is probably the oldest commercial vineyard in Canada. Um, it's planted in 1899. It's uh, so it would be 122 year old vines of uh, Concord's, which clearly yeah. we don't not make wine out of. <laughs> so. But it's a 3.3 acre block that we'll always keep going as a bit of a living mm-hmm. legacy of uh, our family and where our roots are.
2: And so, so uh, interesting, just because now I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Um, Concord grapes, obviously at 120 years old, are they all, have you had to replant? Or do you just let them die off and let them go? Or are yeah. they all pretty much healthy as a horse?
1: Uh, no, they're as healthy as a horse. And, I mean, obviously you can see some of the vines. We've renewed the vine itself, but the root itself would be 120 years old and um so just as required yeah i take one out put a new one in i mean tractor disease comes along too which i call it where you know a tractor takes one out because you know the guy at the wheel <laughs> fell asleep or something <laughs> so tractor disease and um anyway, but but the majority of the vineyard right is 121 years old oh, those so would be pretty neat do um
0: i guess you know when you're dealing with vinifera older vines the plants crop themselves back naturally the quality is generally higher does it make a difference with concord grapes like do you make really banging concord grape jelly with that or
1: oh the concord jelly is just absolutely fantastic from that fruit because the roots have grown gone so deep in the soil right and what i admire about that vineyard is that uh it's just so consistent it doesn't matter if it's a good year bad year doesn't matter it is still a pretty steady crop so every year we get like oh, 9 10 tons out of it now the sad part is there is absolutely no market for it right now, and uh, but hopefully with all the new artisanal juice producers that are coming in, and uh, that hopefully there's a home for it as time goes on. So,
2: so what do you do with the fruit? If I can
1: ask? Well, the birds have enjoyed it for the last two years, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it did go down to Welsh's in northeast uh, northeast Pennsylvania for the past uh, 15 years, I guess. Maybe. Oh, really? but that came yeah, okay. to a crashing halt uh, two years ago when, um, well, essentially what happened was. The U.S. Army said that everything that is being supplied to the Army had to be 100% American grown. And so the 2% Canadian content of Concord juice that was in in Walsh's grape juice made it ineligible to go to the Army. And the Army was their biggest, uh, the biggest buyer. So so anyway, they just slowly cropped out the Canadian content that was in it. And and we don't have a place here that processes grape juice. And so there it, there it sits. So is there a better use for that land? Absolutely. Uh, however... Um, is there better use in my heart for it? No. So there it so, there,
2: so I guess we're, th- we're throwing it out there. If you have use for some Concord uh, grapes, mm. uh, you want to make some jam or some jellies, some artisan jams and jellies from these things. Uh, I know Wait, I, Concords, I
0: mean, do Concords have seeds in them?
1: Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes, yep, lots. <laughs>
2: what were you thinking, Andre? Are you going to make some jam? Oh, just,
0: I don't, it, it's like, because those purple grapes come out, like, after, in and around time, stuff is starting to ripen here, and I always... I'm happy to buy. Them. I think they're like labeled as Niagara or something. But sovereign, they, yeah, they, but they generally don't have seeds in them. And I don't. Right, they be sovereign. I'm sorry, I just don't like grapes yeah. with seeds.
1: Yes, no, not many do, and and there's a texture to it that's a little odd too. So it's called a slip skin that's between the skin and the pulp itself. That so just kinda like like just pops right of the skin and that's kind of a weird texture too. There's a stringiness to the pulp as well. So I mean it's not the best eating grape by far, but it tastes delicious when it's right. So, well,
2: all right, we it. so we're eleven minutes in. So we talk about Cabernet Franc for all the minutes. If is anybody is needs Concord grapes, that's all I'm saying. I'm trying to sell them
0: <laughs> for Let's you. Okay, on on uh, so, uh, so the first uh, uh, the first five wines that <laughs> we have on this list. <laughs> we you have it split into four flights and we're gonna do our best to do this expediently while you talk to us about why you love this grape. Okay. Five of them are straight up labeled chestnut tree, yep. and that's the right. name of the vineyard.
1: Uh, so chestnut tree, okay, so the wines on the property go like this. If it's a white wine, it's named after someone in our family. If it's a red wine, it's named after something on the property. And so we have an amazing story about a chestnut tree here on the farm, and um, it's just off on the northeast corner of the house here. So the Reader's Digest version is this, to make this tree famous and worthy of, of, of this wine. So this home used to be an inn once upon a time. Uh, this road was called Stagecoach Road, and it would have um, connected from, well, where Henry Pelham is on Pelham Road, through here over into, uh, in front of Flat Rock Cellars. And Henry Pelham had an inn as well. They had an inn as well, that's right. And um, this road would ended up at Balls Falls. Great. So what would happen in the wintertime is they would, uh, my ancestors, would take ships of apples and pears to England, spend the winter in England, and then come back with ships of Cows, and they'd use the keep the best ones for themselves as herd improvement, and uh, sell the rest to the neighbors. All right. So one winter, uh, while the men were gone, the ladies were attacked. The house was uh, uh, was under siege. Um, the, By whom? Uh, uh, that's that's uh, that's the last part of the story. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So I just I have to have, to have uh, save it to the end. Anyway, so and so they stole all the milk, they stole all the preserves, and the ladies were fine. But when they, when these bandits left, they left a rotting crop stuck in the ground. And so they left it there, and so in the spring, this riding crop, a riding switch, uh, sprung root and became the chestnut tree that is there today. But the story gets better. Like, who are these bandits, and why were they coming through? And the story is, is that it was Jesse James and his entourage of, of bad guys. <laughs> so oh, Bad guys. So I told this story to one of my employees who have been here for many years, and we're at that stage in our relationship where um, she didn't believe anything I told her anymore. So she's like, <laughs> Jesse James came through here like science so, so. So she investigated herself and went. it turns out Jesse James spent the latter part of his life in Lucknow, 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 uh, like around Kitchener-Waterloo, and um, and so it, it to avoid the U.S. Um, authorities. So if you're traveling through Niagara, do you get from here to there, would you take King Street down below the escarpment, the highest traveled road through Niagara? No. You would have taken Stagecoach Road up here on top of the escarpment because it was a much lesser known road. So. It absolutely could have been Jesse James that planted this chestnut tree. Wow. And you just can't make this sto- these stories up. I'm not that clever. So. <laughs>
0: wow, that is insanely cool.
1: So the tree would be you know, over 100 years old. It's, it's storied. It's big. It's, it's got texture. And, and um, it's, it's steadfast. It's, te- it's uh, lived through the test of time, just like I believe these wines will, too. And hence the connection to bring the chestnut tree into the wine Look
2: at so that segue. So, was nice. it agent
1: chest, in chestnut tree? No, it was just about the chestnut this tree. This is not board.
2: her first rodeo, as they say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, being on, because people have broadcast from this table, and she's told that story many times before.
0: <laughs> so, okay, so we've got, we've got, we've got, the first in- off, three wines from the chestnut, well, from chestnut. So, that your, well, I guess it's not your, the whole, okay. Just got to, the so in- English would yeah, be nice. I know. So. So the vineyard isn't named chestnut tree, but it's, it's your vineyard, but the chestnut tree is a prominent figure on the vineyard. We have 2016, 2017, 2018.
1: Right, so I poured them um, youngest to oldest, so the 18 is on the far left, and then uh, the 17 in the middle, and the 16 is on the, on the right. And, um, and so the chestnut tree only, so all these Cabernet Francs are here tonight only come from uh, our vineyard here on site which is just about 17 rows that are very long, about 200 vines a row. So it's a, it's a long row of grapes. And um, it's just on the other side of the driveway. So it goes right here from South Avenue up to, well, our east-west landing strip. That's kind of the most southerly spot that we'd like to grow vinifers on the property here. The
0: bottles are just too far away for me to catch the subappellation. Is it Vine Mount Ridge or 20 miles?
1: I didn't label it uh, Vine Mount Ridge until the 2018 vintage. So okay. there's a longer story to that, and i was just... Oh. She that doesn't want to get into things. it, that's what you said. Yes. Okay, but we're
2: up, we're up on Vine Mount Ridge <laughs> We here. are Vine Mount Ridge, okay. yes, yes.
1: So, uh, and, um,
2: they, they I, really I, show a difference in, uh, yeah. in vintage
0: here. And, and, and here's the yes. thing. Is, I, I think totally. people, people have heard you and I discuss all three of these vintages, and, I mean, given 2019 and 2021, I think we're very fortunate to have three, what you and I think to be three fairly good vintages, but very different vintages. So well, I, on, in, I would go two and one.
2: Two really good vintages. Yeah.
0: And one that was let's let's rock through the three vintages real quick. If you could give us in five words your thoughts on each vintage. Mm. So I'll, I'll I'll call them out and then you can respond with the five words. So Perfect. Uh, 2018.
1: Hot, dry, gorgeous, muscular, incredible. Really?
0: 2017.
1: Elegant, delicate, um, um, uh, there's ringers in there. Find find the good ones like this one.
0: Twenty sixteen.
1: Love sixteen. Hot, dry. Great, great, big, full-bodied red wines for that. And so, when we get to flight number three, we'll taste a few more of the sixteens.
0: So, Michael, when you were hinting at the the two that were good and one that weren't, which is the one that to
2: you wouldn't be that good? So, eighteen because of the uh, the harvest that was the opposite of seventeen. So, and I, I yes, I agree with you. It was a very hot, dry year, but when we got into harvest, it was a very wet harvest, especially the latter part of it. And it was kind of the polar opposite of of two thousand seventeen, which was that cool vintage and then suddenly september went boom 30 degrees two months enjoy your harvest uh which it, where were 18 was like uh if i'm not mistaken it happened about october about, yeah, about october it's mid-october it wasn't a, it wasn't a 2021 it but it but it was um you know 21
1: that's what i'm erasing from my memory
2: <laughs> uh but if i remember 18 around early october to mid-october um we never got as i like to tell people, we. If it rains on Monday, you want grapes to dry out on Tuesday, and then you pick on Wednesday. We never got Wednesday.
1: So um, See, the way I, I remember it, though, is... You see, the way I remember 2018, it was a bit more of the perfect combination. And so when I...
2: Do, think, t- do tell.
1: Do tell. <laughs> so uh, there's a, the great debate over what was the best vintage of the century lately, right? Was it 2020 or 2018? And I kind of stayed out of that conversation just because... I really believe that 2018 was superior to 2020 because it was like in, intermixed with uh, precipitation. And if you don't have precipitation, you don't have water coming from the soil up into the vine. With that water comes nitrogen, and nitrogen is the precursor for your flavor and aroma molecules. So we talk about no water being great, but that, it just, it just, you have to have some water. So, okay. and 2018 had water. Had so, so great. 2018
0: though was was harvest a challenge, and how did how did harvest affect the overall quality of the wine? Like, like 20, because I mean, I think a, a monkey with a barrel and some grape juice can make decent wine from 2020. I, I don't think right. the same can be said about 2018. Correct.
1: And, and, and so, into my mind, I think 2018, if you if you had the right vintage and if you had the right um, cultural techniques in the vineyard, Uh, 2018 was superior to 2020 because you had just that extra water to come with it so and I I didn't find it diluted and now also I should probably talk about the vineyard of Cabernet Franc here too because it is such a tiny buried clone of Cabernet Franc that we have and the clusters are very loose so um, in those challenging vintages we actually do better here because we have this loose clustered Cabernet Franc and the tiny berries so the wind can get through there we don't have the incidence of, of botrytis and molds and mildews. That, wow! Uh, would, so that was good, happened, that so was going to be my, yeah.
2: my next question. My next question before you jumped all over me, but and that's <laughs> fine because you were you <laughs> yeah. were obviously supposed to. Because, I don't know, but if are can here, but you could pinpoint the
0: moment my mind was blown just at, at picturing that because like this year, like everything looked fantastic going into the middle of August, but that mm-hmm. was when the bunches had all tightened up.
2: And so my my question was going to be. Do you think that 2018 is because of your site or your clones? And you've already answered that one. is because of the clones you're We're growing. Both. Right, yep. so yeah. So yeah. while other people are going, well, 2020 obviously is the way to go because 2018 was, you know, blah, blah, blah for the late ripening grapes, you didn't have that problem because of the clone that you're growing. Right, yes. So there we go. So it's now that's site-specific as far as 2018. So you can't put a blanket on what 2018 was like because it becomes, you know, more site-specific. Totally. As as for you, but I where I think for twenty twenty one, you could put a blanket on everyone <laughs> that there were <laughs> challenges. I, I,
1: think, I think
2: the blanket still goes over for twenty eighteen, but then you're looking for those those specific sites,
1: right? Those gems. Yeah.
2: Yep. So you are looking for gems, and and they really and they really do do show when when you do get them. Mm-hmm. I think. And
1: so even in twenty eighteen, because it was so lovely here and it extended so long, and, and the vineyard has a little bit of a slope as well, so. Um, as you're getting to those cooler fall nights, where you know where, where it's still and the the air starts to delineate out and you know and get early frost um, here, just because that little bit of a slope, that cool air just keeps trickling on down and down the escarpment to those you know poor people down there. <laughs> but up here, up here, it was actually you know where the, the, you on, where the peons
2: on. are. They can take <laughs> that water up here on the hill.
1: My grandfather had terms for the people down there, but I'll just leave it up for another podcast. <laughs> I, I love that
0: there's, like, a division between the escarpment for you. Like, you feel <laughs> like you're cooler up here, and I guess literally you
1: are. We are absolutely cooler. It, it is cooler, it's, and it's absolutely windier as well. That um, it, I, I joke that if it's not nailed down here, it's going to blow away just because there is always, there's always a breeze here. It does not matter. The coolest, hottest summer day, there's still a little trickle of air. It's, it's, coo- it's cooler to be on top. That it's
0: cool. <laughs> it's like, um, okay, they're... so let's 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 keep moving along. Like 2017, mm-hmm. and um, like I I I was actually agreeing with you, Michael. If we're talking about the three vintages, I think as as journalists in terms of quality, 2017 has been far more consistent in terms of across the board. And I think the surprise and was, interesting and, and very interesting. It. And the thing is, like we're now seeing even now some of the the Bordeaux varietals, the Bordeaux style varietals, trickling out from 2017, and I know for 2017, like, it's it's a banner year for, for the early ripening varieties, for Gamay, for Pinot Noir, for Chardonnay, but the Bordeaux varieties coming out are like, it doesn't make sense that the quality is that good because the summer really was really, really trash until well, September. This, this, and well, this
2: 17 chestnut is just absolutely gorgeous. It's a it banger. Is, it is just... Total. You know, juicy and elegant. full of fruit, and there's an elegance here, and the acidity is good, and... I don't know how long it's been an oak, but obviously it has been, and, and, but it's, it's not aggressive. And it has longevity like It's not the, the
0: tannic structure and the acid that like I, I want this in my cellar to see what's going to happen. I don't, I don't think I'd want to age this for 10, 15 years, but I think it's five years. I'd like to see years. it in 10, 15 years. I, sure. I, think, I think this is one where even though it's, it's Cab Franc, given that it's Niagara Cab Franc and the acids are as high as they are, I would treat it more like a Pinot
1: in how I approach Mm. it in a cellar. Right, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then how to serve it maybe too, like that that elegance. Um, What I find amazing with this wine is how little it has aged since the day we brought it out, that it is holding, as time is holding itself so well. And that elegance and delicacy and there's a juiciness to it and there's some of those dried herb notes to it that aren't, you know, that are are dried in their, Developed, I don't see but see integrated like it's, green it's, yeah. to it it's,
0: it's not where like when you get the cab franc that's high in, in pyrazine where it's just like the moment it rolls off the back of your tongue it's like oh by the way here's your bell pepper to go with this <laughs> right that's not with this it's 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 a it's it's a consistent like feeling on the mid palate from front to back where the fruit is what's driving the bus and I think
2: that's what makes great franc from Niagara franc well I, I think where the interesting part is here is that the 18 I got a lot of you know herbal Savory notes, um, peppery uh a little bit on the leaner side where the seventeen is rich and round and full well and the 18 has and, and got a
0: little bit more like depth, like it's got the black licorice or like charred like charred campfire to it, which is also like I mean yeah, that speaks it, to a hotter summer interesting enough, but uh, the seventeen still speaks to me a little bit a little bit more i th- I'm hoping that we're not just drinking with our eyes though because I think. You and I are unapologetic at how much we love 2017.
2: <laughs> well, and I, and I think the interesting part now is to go to 16, which was, you know, up until I think 20 came along was in many people's mind the 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 vintage of the decade, right. or, or and, and then 2020 came along and it's going to be the vintage 16. of two decades on the on the border there, right? So so. That's okay.
1: It's always a good year, right? But
2: um, uh, but 16, so tell us a little bit about, you know, what makes... I think we've, we've waxed poetic about the 17, but tell us about the 16 and what, what your thoughts are on that.
1: Yeah, and, and so it was fun with the 16 because um, we had a whole bunch of different barrel treatments, which we'll probably get into in Flight 3, that uh, because it, it absorbed the oak or, or or the oak influence on it was highly different from all of it. So, so this actually doesn't have a lot of new oak in it, and the other ones um, are, are our favorite barrels that uh, we... Selected out of some barrel selection, so sort of think that these were our least favorite barrels to so go into the uh, the chestnut trade How big and sturdy and substantial it is, it, it, it just shows the um, I don't know, the the quality, of the caliber of the wine in, in totality. So um, it was a knockout. I mean, it 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 did really well. Um, I couldn't spit it out. I'm it's I'm, I'm, I'm so not well.
0: gonna lie. I, it's mm-hmm. um it's I. Okay, well, first off, it's made me a little bit speechless, but I think, I think it's by far the strongest wine of the three right now, today, drinking it. I'd be curious what the other ones will do in a cellar, but it is, it is in a very good place right it now. It is. Uh, there's
2: lots of, uh, lots of uh, fruit. The, um, the, the oak is, is, is still a little bit on the, uh, on the front and center side, um, but the fruit is definitely uh, definitely there. And, uh, and Andre's taking a picture right now, and he even puts up the peace sign.
1: <laughs> of course Wait, is that customary I thought yeah. I was supposed to do that as like yeah know, we said. should have all done that
2: I didn't realize it was uh, a prerequisite but the yeah. 16 is I, I am still leaning towards that 17 because oh, right. there's an elegance to the 17 and a juiciness that really just you're
0: you're but here's the thing is is like I, I think this is why we did the podcast. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. But but I, but I think this is this is why we're d- it's inter- our podcast. We can interrupt you. Don't right, you interrupt that's- us. I know. Okay, okay, but but there there is gonna be a good there is gonna be a good segue because I want your input. Seen on and this. not hurt. Right. But I but I think I think it's just you're drawn to the seventeen. It's one of the reasons about why you like you are the Niagara guy, right? Is seventeen is really what a more typical expression of Niagara. Business. Could, would, and, and should be twenty 2016, like, we, we got that heat, we got that dryness. Mm-hmm. And and you as a winemaker, how could you not be leaning more towards a Bordelais or Californian style mm-hmm. of winemaking? Like, do you think, like, in a hot vintage like 16 and, and 20, there's a way to preserve the Niagara-ness to it? And do you think that your 16 really is what Niagara should taste like, or do you I think more like 17, 18. I guess it's a complicated question, but I want to hear. Yeah, let, let's unpack that. Well, you
1: know, that, that's that's a beautiful part about Niagara is that we have we've got the 16 here, which has that California has the uh, the Aussie ness to it because Aussie ness is a new word, I made it up. Um, I was ret- say Sounds opulence, right. yeah, it. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> the survey says that's great. Um, and you know, being formally trained in winemaking at the University of Adelaide, um, this is I guess is where I want to go, and we have a Bordeaux Red. Why- I want big and textured and weight and body. I wanted to beat you up a little bit. I want, uh, I want to have muscles and, uh, and that is going to you know, just give you a good punch. And so so it's the, the 16 and the 18, in, in my mind, tasting is the ones that are the ones I'm the most proud of. I love the elegance of the 17. And that's, that's, what's, that's what's cool about this. Is there, there's no right or wrong answer about these. There's not one that's superior to the other. It's but what, what you're doing and how you're liking the wines and what you're eating and drinking. And, and, then, and then maybe some different ageability on it. I always underguess the ageability of my wines, and um, I,
0: I think mean, everyone in in Niagara does, and I, and I appreciate <laughs> the conservativeness of it. But I mean, it's the,
1: humbli- uh, it's the humbleness of it too. It's like, oh, I don't want to say I'll go with twenty years. Like no one's going to believe that. But now I'm tasting wines I made twenty years ago, I'm like. What the hell? That's why it's doing... It's still a baby, for God's sake. And who would I guess?
0: The industry is still getting... Hitting a point of, of mm-hmm. maturity where I think a lot of the industry was relying on, on tourism where you could sit here in your tasting room mm-hmm. and say five to seven years or seven to ten years and it's a tour bus of people who are taking it home to drink it right mm-hmm. then and there where I think we've got a culture now that has matured more with the industry. Like, we've got millennials now who are getting more into wine even though statistically on the big picture they're not. But it's people who will come here looking for something to put into a cellar. So I Right. I don't that's that's my my theory on on just about the the humbleness and I'd like to see people maybe push a little bit more when they're talking about how they can age wine.
1: And I don't think anyone until the last few years was a- looking for aged wines and I've had more questions in the last year like what do you have in the cellar? What what can I get that's older here? I'm like, "Wow.
2: Awesome." So are are all of these all these three well, images available your, wait wait
0: wait I wanted your input on like the the, the culture and, well, and, and aging to, and how Niagara has, uh, has gone
2: well you know about my sellers. So I, like,
0: I know about your cellar but you're, you're an outlier like do you think things have changed from when you started building your cellar as in as in um, and you do wine tours
2: as well too so you would have an idea of what consumers are feeling well I, I don't think hmm that's a good question about consumers um, holy
0: crap that was the nicest thing you've ever said to me on this podcast <laughs> But holy crap. <laughs> oh, <no>. um, <laughs> that's a good question. Nice.
2: <laughs> well, you have one every year and I guess we had to wait till November for it to happen. So, what congratulations.
1: You, 268 you said. So, I don't want every uh, one couple in every 100.
2: Every said, so, uh, yeah, every so often he comes up with one. So, so I think I think Niagara wines have always been ageable. I think we we've, we've always had an ageability to them. And I prove it time and time again when I open something from from the cellar and and, and I go, yep, that that one's pretty good and you 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 can always tell um, based on the producer. do you know what I mean? Like there are certain producers that made wine in the past, and you would put them in your cellar, and there are times you go to them to open them up and you go, Nope, I think I can let that sit a little longer. I better open that one instead and And time and time again they 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 prove themselves that they are age age worthy are our, our consumers Interested in age-worthy wines? Look, the LCBO's numbers and worldwide numbers prove that 90% of, of consumers... Oh, c- it's even higher than that. 90% of consumers consume their wine within 24 hours, 95% within 48 hours. Right. Meaning, you know, you got home, somebody says, I'm not cooking tonight, and you go, neither am I, put the wine on the counter, and it's tomorrow night you drink it. So there's 5% of the population that is holding wine. And that, that, po- that percentage goes down and down... On length of time, yeah. right? So, are they holding it six months? Well, that's probably a bigger chunk of that five percent than the people who are holding it twenty years, which is probably an infinitesimal number of that five percent.
0: All right. So, here's a project for you and I, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get back to the we'll make sure we get back to the conversation here. Though is is maybe we should do a poll of some of the wineries of Ontario who are making wines that are clearly destined for a cellar, like your Tazes and and and. and Flat Rock and some of the other, and 30 unless, bench and then the unless, high unless, end, uh, the high Let's end see what, end sort of um, what sort of statistics we can get about what their consumer, even if we can get some anecdotal stuff about like whether or not the consumer behavior is changing. Because I'm curious about that.
2: Anyways, back to flat. Fr- I, I would be front. surprised if a winery would know that kind of thing, unless you. I are, know. I think it's going to be anecdotal. We'll have to talk <laughs> yeah, to. We'll it have to is, talk yeah, to yeah, people it, in, it, the, it in the in the trenches. Right. Yes. It you know, maybe it, it, maybe it's time that somebody does a little a little test where we, you know, if you make thousand bottles of something. Uh, put a QR code and ask your consumer to, you know, when they finally open it, you know, zap the QR code and tell us the date.
0: Well, Fiveros, we like maybe maybe Wes is someone we need to talk to you about that. Because rows does that, where, oh. where they encourage you to, to open your experience. But anyways... So, now, now we're way
2: off topic. Let's <laughs> pre- this is supposed to be about Suanne and her wines. Let's yeah, get back to it. Me. So, uh, so th- first of all, are these three vintages still available, or is this a special opening of the 16 or the 17 for us? So, so?
1: the 2017 is the current release, oh. 2018 is a pre release tasting, and um, we do have it in some gift packs, depending on, on what you're looking for. And yeah, 16 is, uh, uh, is from the seller. Got the it. All, all right. Thank so. you for opening that. Yeah. 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 And I do have a few, and I, 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 one of the things I always have been an advocate of is cellaring wine. And um, so I have held back a good chunk of 15 and 16 chestnut tree frog Franc just for the right tastings, the right spot. See, right 15 time. would have been
2: interesting as well because mm-hmm. it was also another one of those, but it was a short crop season. It and, was a short crop. And a, and, but a, gra- a great good growing summer. season. Mm-hmm. And was overshadowed by how great 16, 16. was. But right. I think 15 is that is that, uh, uh, that diamond in the rough. That, that If you're holding on to 15s, you're holding on to something really special, right. and I think they'll even uh, outlast 16s as far as, as far as that goes. Those 50s are beautiful. It's All a right. beautiful wine.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I guess on to barrels then. We've got another another flight here. Is this where we, uh, we pause the tape for a quick second to get wine in the glasses? You I think got that's it. it. Cool. Okay, so the next part of the flight...
2: Um, I think you mentioned that the well, next part of a flight is the next flight. Okay, it is actually flight. the next flight, so... Okay, thanks for correcting me, Michael. That was a very it important... It says right there on the make, page okay. right in front of you, it says flight one, flight two, flight three. Okay, I so we've gone from vintage variation... I didn't think variation. I'd have to teach you to read on the podcast, too. F-L-I-G-H-T is flight. Okay, we've gone from vintage variation now to
0: barrel treatment.
1: You got it. Yes. And so, I guess, I... I, I Sometime my intuition knew that the 17 would be Michael's favorite. So let's pull <laughs> on that. <laughs> pull on that heartstring, And let's uh, do a couple barrel treatments. So this was, you know, this sort of is a bit of fun in 2016 vintage that, you know, had a little bit of extra fruit to play around with. So um, we did some spirit barrel trials. And uh, so in 2016, I think it was, we did one that was a brandy and one that was um, bourbon. That was the 2016
0: vintage. Okay, and I, I I'll, I'll go on the record on this podcast and saying that your because we've tasted the bourbon barrel stuff that's gone through the LCBO tasting room and terrible our sweet god awful right. disjointed messes. Yeah. Yours was delicious.
1: The, and it's about keeping a premium. And just now you're just panicked. It,
0: right? No, no, I was actually shocked. I remember doing mm. that tasting here with Guillaume. It was Guillaume me and yeah, you. Yeah, that's right. We did that tasting, oh, and right. I think that was one where if you were paying attention, you could probably pinpoint the moment yeah. that my jaw dropped tasting that because <laughs> I was expecting. What I was expecting um so anyways let's talk about these spirit things and I'll ask right. you about the intuition you have as a winemaker to make sure that you don't overdo and, and, it
2: and right. why you know why you decide to do that but yeah, anyway well yeah. and,
1: and and the why is because because it's there because yes. it's there. okay because there and, and had the luxury of some volume to play around with and uh well and and, it's, and a learning, and it's not more complicated than that correct, like it's supposed to been a
0: learning adventure for it's you it's learning it's right?
1: fun it was access and uh and you have to do these little things to keep you engaged and, and having some fun. Uh, you know, doing the spirit barrel treatments is a bit of a trend right now, too. So um, do my wines have the sustenance and the substance to be able to take on the little higher alcohol contents that they're going to inherently get from going into these barrels? So, so for the 2017 vintage, um, I wasn't able to get bourbon and brandy barrels, but I was able to get, what's in your left-hand glasses, cognac. Yeah. And the right-hand one is uh, golden tequila. I just labeled it as tequila, but it was obviously a golden tequila um, since it was aged in barrels. Where,
0: which producer did he get the, the the barrels from, or does that matter? Mm, I, I don't even know, actually, okay.
1: so no. I, the, in the case of the bourbon one, I did know it was Heaven Hill, but, that, uh, but I don't know the brandy one. Um, in 2017, I was able also to get um, a peach brandy barrel and put a little bit of Riesling into it. Of course and uh, <laughs> And it was... It was just cheesy and fun and silly, and, um, but interesting to see that wine when it came out. So that one's already done, finished, sold out, and gone. Um, these two, I put a little bit more of a premium price on it because it is just a single barrel of each. Um, and I want them sold as a set. So I see the consumer buying both of these wines, crack them both open with some charcuterie and some friends, have an ounce of one, have an ounce of the other, bounce back and forth between the two wines, and just compare and contrast. And if you wanted to, have some fun. Pull your, yeah, you know, your middle wine from the first flight, uh, to see the juiciness of that, and oh, to right. see how the influence well, the of the, uh, on the table. how the barrels influence the. Oh, wine.
2: interesting. O- okay, so, all right, you go first.
0: Uh, you're going to well, say
2: nice things. I'm not no, honest. my I'm going mm-hmm. to say some nice things. No, no, my my, my
0: observation about about <laughs> these off the on the offset. First off, I don't know how much I, if if I like them, but the tannin is is pretty aggressive in both of these versus the regular. 2017, is there mm-hmm. something about working with a spirit barrel where you're getting more tannin from the wood?
1: Could be, because the, the alcohol could be opening up the pores of the of the, of the the oak more. I, I, I never thought of that. That Why why would that be? Um, and that could be one of the reasons why. Because
0: all, all of these bottles were open right before we started the tasting. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's not like the 2017 was sitting on the tasting bar this afternoon and we're we getting something yeah. that's had some... Like, all three of these were open at the same time, and these are not elegant.
1: No, no, these are beat up. Um, you know, th- this is the one that has the kahunas. I was going to you know, give you a little bit of a of a knockout as well.
2: Yeah. So, I get, I so. I'm not a spirits person. No, as, you're not. As we have, if we have determined uh, at least three or four times on the podcast. Um, so, with the cognac barrel, I definitely get the cognac. Mm-hmm. I can almost taste it, and it it's to me not unpalatable. But I mean, it's just not like I because cognac's not my thing either. Um, but the tequila barrel, I rather like. Oh right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I find, the spirit, I find the spirit
0: notes on both of these subtle. Mm. Correct. But, but I find yeah. that they both add um, they both add a sweetness to the wine without adding sugar to the wine.
1: That could be the higher alcohol, potentially, that's giving that, that sweet sensation. What, what is the alcohol
0: in this? Like, we didn't
2: even, like the mm-hmm. bottles are, are far enough out of reach that we can't get. want you right. <laughs> to see, Andre. That's the whole point. She's like, they're, they're probably 18 and a half, and we're not allowed to know. They're really <laughs> <Surprised>. poor. <laughs>
1: um, so I think we're... Um, Drink well, up, boys. In, the, in the, the first flight, everyone's probably about like 13, 13 and a half. I think the 18 is up to 14%. Um, these two wines are uh, thirteen seven and thirteen eight, so it didn't go up too too much. Oh, it's not bad, not much. Uh, but what's interesting the 2016s, when we did it when we did it then is those wines went up by about 08 percent alcohol in, in that vintage. Well, that didn't happen in twenty seventeen. I can't give you an answer why, um, but just it didn't have that lift in alcohol. But you certainly get the flavor of uh, of the barrels. So yeah, I can
2: smell the I can smell the cognac. I uh, can uh, on, that. Mm. I, on the uh, but on the on the tequila, and that and maybe because tequila is more of a uh, a more softer spirits. What's well, like, the other I mean, thing
0: too with tequila is um, like when you smell cognac like cognac smells like a byproduct. Like it doesn't smell like fresh grapes where when mm-hmm. you smell tequila you expect it to smell like agave. You expect it to smell like, like the botanical that it's made for, the plant that it's made from. Right. And uh, I mean this doesn't smell like te- tequila. Which I think that's a good
2: thing. No, <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't smell like anything that, it, that you're not expecting. And I guess for the cognac, I smell the cognac. this this being said, though, this is
0: in, in terms of the way you're working with the spirits barrels, this is still a lot better than what most of the larger producers are doing with spirits barrels. I mean, oh yeah, so let, let's go to my question about like whats so what's your intuition when you're working with a with a spirits barrel? like how do you like how do you go into this to be like, okay? I don't want this to taste like winery X's mm-hmm. bourbon barrel off dry disjointed mess made for people who don't really like wine. Like, how do you, how do you approach your winemaking so that you're still appealing to wine lovers like Michael and I?
1: Right. And so I'll, I'll tell you, I went into this experiment with fear because I, I'm, I am taking a beautiful wine that I know is gorgeous from perfectly good barrels that's aging perfectly well, and then you know, yanking it from this this the womb of that and putting it into an entirely different environment um because these wines would have been aged in um in traditional oak for the first year like French and American oak barrels but then transported into the spirit barrel for the last year of his life so since all these wines are about 22 months in in oak barrels so and um and so right so when I when I did the 2016s I was I was pretty apprehensive every single month I was on tasting them to make sure that it wasn't overwhelmed with the uh, the flavors from the barrel um, also the the oak that they're going to use to making those spirit barrels is very different than the oak we're going to use for wine barrels which is far tighter thicker staves and so that was that was a fear factor too is this a lot thinner staved barrels so it is going to age faster so I need to really watch that component as well so yeah, so, you know what? It's fine. Uh, people love it. Um, this is about, you know, the the person that wants the big, full-bodied wine, a wine of the story, and um, and so look for those little nuances and differences that exist between the wines. And so, um, yeah, kind of fun. So. So,
2: so I say this, that's just to finish my note, uh, the cognac I get on the nose, I don't get it on the mid-palate, but I definitely get it on the finish. Yeah. It's definitely there. You you get cognac. So this is definitely for your wine and cognac Lover, lover. Let's, yeah. Let's, somebody who likes cognac is going to just go. That's my wine. I really love that one. I think for people looking off the beaten
0: path to Could be. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're, if you just have someone in your family who loves spirits or a, a wine you know, that loves spirits, and you know, is still hesitant to get into wine or or hesitant to do that, like it's a good, it's a good segue or at least a good experiment. Like, where, yeah. where, whereas the
2: tequila still smells like the 17, with a little bit of something like that je ne sais quoi. There's something there, but you <laughs> wouldn't go that. You wouldn't go. Oh that's tequila for sure. I, I don't even think you'd pick it out as a spirit. You would just go, that's a lovely there's oh, a, I, almost I pick a pick it out as a spirit. As a as a there's a little bit of a floral note that was not in the in the uh, in I the agree with that. I, I I think just across the
0: board, like more sweet notes. Like it's pushing the the cherry and the blackberry notes from the 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 Cabernet Franc into yeah. It's it's not confected, but it's still just like it's riper. And and the you you, you left it
2: out a day longer than the regular tequila finish
1: too on the end. Um, That 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 kind of like that that heat on the finish you get from tequila.
2: The 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 finish is a little less aggressive than the seventeen. Like it's it's got some kind of nice little smoothness, like a nice tequila, such as. Uh, before we came here, uh, we had uh, a little bit of a spirits tasting on a podcast yet to be released. But be, I, I say yeah. on that podcast that for me tequila
0: generally tastes and smells like youth and regret, and and but uh, thank thank God this wine does not smell or taste like youth no. and regret. I, I, well it smells and tastes like youth. Uh, the regret comes later. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, but I'm I'm always I'm always hesitant with tequila and like.
1: Most of us are Dory. <laughs> we all oh, have a well, we, we, we story. Tased, we tasted a, 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 like a, a Patron, like a Patron that Michael score. was sent,
0: and it was just like I was still hesitant on the nose. But the, anyways, you'll hear it on, yeah. on a podcast. Upcoming, yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. Is that two sixty
1: seven? Podcast two sixty seven. Uh, no, two sixty seven
0: was out the day that we're recording this, which was a day late. Right. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Oh, I. I'm being God. Probably 269? Totally, maybe 269 two, 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 two 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 or 270.
0: Yes. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We'll figure
2: it out. Oh, yeah. Very good. So now I, it looks like we're going to move into Flight 3. This uh, I'm kind of looking forward to as well. Babe. Yeah, now that I
0: know that the, what the word
2: Flight means, I guess we can move on to the next. Yeah, one. that would be great. Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. Perfect. All right, so we're now on to Flight 3. These are all 2016s. Mm-hmm. And I love they, the names of these. They I have, have a little bit more uh, fun names the other ones have been very you know chestnut tree cab franc chestnut tree cognac barrel aged um, chestnut tree tequila Bar- like these are all descriptive now we've got something called the high striker and knockout
1: right so both 100% cabernet franc so what we did is we took the 2016 chestnut tree cabernet franc um, my sister winemaker Chris Protonentes, and I went through and did you know did barrel tastings and uh, independently picked our favorite barrels and they aligned that's how i know usually you expect that that uh you know that knockout where you uh are battling each other about which is which is the best
0: even i know we said on the podcast like when michael and i when we're scoring wines if we have something that doesn't quite seem right we'll call each other just to see if we're aligned and we generally will not a hundred percent we will not a hundred percent agree but we'll make sure that we're not completely out of whack so i mean that's very cool that you and Chris were able to come to, like, a consensus.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, in a way, it split out as well. Sorry, as I smell the wines. I have not t- smelled or tasted these wines in about a year and a half myself. They're, they've been sitting without labels. And I'm just in the label process right now of uh, designing a new premium label for, for these wines. So, anyway, um, it's been hard to resist them. And so they're, they're limited production. Um, the High Striker, we selected, how does it go? Let's say, let's start with the, the Knockout. So the Knockout, um, which is one on the right-hand side. We picked our favorite two barrels to go into that wine. So it's only uh, uh, 50 cases. And the High Striker, we picked our next four favorite wine barrels to go into that. And what's even cooler about this is, is that um, we're pretty much even on French American oak on these wines. That They are 50-50 uh, French American. And they're all brand new oak as well. So, um, So it's amazing how...
0: They don't taste like new oak.
1: They I know. Don't. That's how big these wines are that the new oak just absorbs in. That it's 100% new oak on these wines, and it's just like integrated in so well. So, um, if I'm if I'm allowed, I'll keep on telling, just tell the little story that goes with these. So, so we have the High Striker. Are we going to let her? Of course. Okay, shut oh, up, yeah. Michael. Oh, I'm just checking. <laughs> I All score.
2: Right.
1: She did so ask high... permission. I
2: thought we should give it to her.
1: So, uh, actually, this kind of goes back to a bit of the battle between uh, escarpment and not the escarpment and everything. So, um, growing up, my father and grand, uh, my father and his next younger brother, Brian. Big big boys, big farm boys. uh, They had a high striker, and they take the high striker. You know what high striker is? He had a great big wooden mallet. You over your shoulder, you whack it down, bonk. And you use that at carnivals. And the bell rings. And then the right, the little birdie goes up the wire and hits the bell at the top, and then you win a prize, right? So they had a high striker. They'd go around to all the county fairs in the area and set the high striker up and charge people to to um, you know to, to play on the high striker. And they had prizes and stuff. They'd wait for them to make some extra money. But the funny part about this is how, you know, they go up to, uh, let's say, Dunville and Smithville and all those, like, real traditional farms up there, and they have to make it harder for you to win up there because the, the farm boys were, were bigger and stronger, so <laughs> they didn't want to give away too many prizes. But then they go down to Virgil, for instance, to the Virgil County Fair, where all the farm boys down there are just carrying baskets of peaches, and they would be accused of, of rigging the game because nobody could win. And they would take, you know, with one arm, come around with this mallet and bing and score, like... How are you doing that? You guys are are shysters. Or like they had to make it easier to win in Virgil than they did in um, like Wayne Fleet and Dunville. So, anyway, that's the story of the high striker. And the high striker, you've got weight, you have intensity. Um, There's a bit of a of a power. Okay, so it this hits. is this is
0: about the heavy hammer.
1: The heavy hammer. The, the heavy hammer. hammer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then talk about which hammers. Is, which is
0: which is crazy because with the okay, I got to hear the knockout story because yeah. I find high striker <laughs> elegant.
1: So knockout. We're getting back to power and structure and uh, intensity. So it is essentially named and will be in honor of my uh, my great uncle Lyle Staff, who'd be um, my grandpa Staff's brother. So Lyle was Canadian, two-time heavyweight boxing champion of Canada. Mm-hmm. And um, in so what year? I thank you. Good question. Um, it was after the war. So I think it was like. 46 and 47 47 48 I had to go back and look actually That's cool. um and then after that he did the professional circuit a little bit and um and you know box in Vegas and Calgary and Edmonton and uh you know you know box for box to make money <laughs> so anyway big big boy obviously you know stood 6'6 six, six and uh, had obviously had some some good muscles and they were uh, you know uh, uh, the nickname for my my father and his generation, and my grandfather and his generation, was the Clydesdales, and uh, so these Clydesdales are mountain goats up here on the Niagara Escarpment, and um, that was uh, kind of their, the joke amongst other farmers about uh, about my family. So, anyway, so knockout is in honor of great Uncle Lyle and uh, his boxing career.
0: Okay, so your your whole point with naming these wines is to give people the heads up that these are big wines. Like you really want to get that that. Um... Aura of power Mm. out in the bottles.
1: And this is something, I'll repeat this wine um, in other vintages, but it's got to be the right vintage. So it's not 17, 18, 19. um, Well, maybe 19. I don't think so. It won't be 19. But maybe 2020 vintage. uh, We'll go through. I I won't label them quite yet. But um, about another year from now, Chris and I will go through and do the same exercise again, look at all the barrels and pick out our favorites, and we'll get the knockout and the the high striker, likely from the 2020 vintage as well. So, this, these wines can't be forced to happen. Uh, Mother Nature has to give them to me.
2: So, I, I, I'm, I'm in disagreement with you because you seem to think that the, uh, the high striker has got some elegance to it. Yes, it does. I would disagree with you. I think the knockout Michael, you is... You
0: ignorant slut.
2: <laughs> it's unfortunate that <sighs> stole my line again.
0: But um, <laughs> I just got to it first.
2: Uh, it's deep, it's dark, it's smoky, it's licorice, it's intense. That's, that's what the, uh, the, the high striker but is. But the fruit cannon, the the
0: is. is velvet right down the
2: middle. No, it's not. There's, it really has that, that aggressiveness from the oak. Did you I'm mix glasses again? I did, you, I did not. Did. <laughs> I've been very careful with this. You must have. Because the knockout has got that elegance. It's got that floral. It's got that red fruit. It's got that cherry raspberry. It's a pretty wine. It's just one of those wines that just like just rolls across okay, the now tongue. I'm worried
0: that I may have actually because because for me the one on my right, the one that you, that Suen, you poured for me on my right is I find it darker, brooding. It's got that like that that smell of damp campfire, like when you when you pour. It water looks like we're gonna Sri have off. to drink them again. Uh, <laughs> it's got stronger cocoa notes. The
2: correct yes, the, the, uh, the, the savory you're, you're,
0: note, and it's not like and it's to not. To me, piracy, you're describing but, the like, high striker, like the. Like the cocoa, like the cocoa nib, note is like jumping out of the glass, and it, it hits the nostrils hard. On the palate, the fruit is deeper. It's blackberry. It's it's uh, cassis pushing into
2: cassis. Not to, quite. To me, you're you're describing the the, the yeah. eye striker, and mm. it, whereas the knockout is is just a a, a, a literally it's that iron fist in a velvet glove. It's just velvety, smooth, silky. Both these wines are, are sexy awesome. on the tongue. This like is these wines are insane like it's it's really such a a, a lovely wine um both of them are very good uh but the knockout for some reason i would drink that all night long whereas the high striker i'd want to stick in the cellar and go let it let it come into its own because i think there's there's just there's some real power behind these,
0: the both, high striker. Need, these both need five years
2: easily Oh yeah. easily
1: yeah. I'm, I'm glad i haven't tasted them for a year and a half actually that that if i had it would have consume most of it by now but but, <laughs> the, but the to me
2: the knockout is is the is the prettier of the of the of the wines the much more uh and i elegance. think
0: it's the high striker so i guess mm. the listeners will have to grab them when they come out we have,
1: mm. maybe just sell them as a set as well just like the uh mm. just like the maybe we just the cognac and doing something the, uh, else
2: look at yeah, us yeah
1: how about that oh
2: so no these are these are these two are just absolutely uh lovely wines they're just fantastic before this podcast becomes really way long, we have another flight to get through. So um, should we should we do that? It's it's ice wine. We don't usually talk about. Uh, I think talk, I think ice wine. I think we should talk about like how the grape comes
0: through. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sure. I mean, it's a part of Niagara's tapestry, and and uh, I think the other one is a
2: napasamento that.
1: You got it. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yep. Let's uh, all right. Let's carry? do those quickly, and yep. then uh, and then I think just for the fun of it, we're gonna play stump the Chump with uh, with Sue Ann, if she's good. About... Ooh.
1: All right. Let's
2: get on to flight four. Okay. So I'm looking at these two wines in the glass. One of them has got a much deeper cherry-ish color, and the other one I can basically read the newspaper through. So, sue what, what, what do we got?
1: Right, so the one on the left is called the Bannister. It is a, a passamento-styled wine, vindicure, whichever word you'd like to use, um, coming from the same vineyard as the, uh, the Chestnut Tree Cabernet Franc. So what we did is go through the vineyards, and selectively harvested the very best clusters for this wine, uh, laid them out in trays, and then went through the Alpacimento process. If we go back to where we talked about the, the vineyard and the really tiny berries, when it went into the, um, into the, the chamber where it goes through the, uh, the Alpacimento process, it happened very quickly because of the high surface area these berries would have had, and the very little, um, the very little juice inside the berries because of how small the berries are. So, so it only took about um, I think like six weeks for it to go from twenty three bricks to I think about twenty eight is where we ended up in the end. So, and um, and it's sitting now at sixteen point five percent alcohol. And then
0: with the vinification, how did you treat this in oak? And
1: right, so then so uh, went through a, a long fermentation process. Um, where it was a little bit interesting because, oh man, because the pH of these wines, because I'd never made one before, so I didn't know all the pitfalls of what, and the scary parts of it. And the pH was just extraordinarily high. So battling the acidity was, a, was the first challenge we had making this wine. And then because those skins are there for so long, they start to break down as well. So you kind of end up with a bit of like a mash in the end. <laughs> so, so pressing it was a, was a challenge in itself. And, uh, and then it was just a really long, slow pressing process. We did it in a basket press and just did it over two days, um, just through low and long, slow pressure on it. And then uh, then what do we do after that? So, malactic in the barrel, the barrel treatment would have been uh, so we had two barrels of this, so it wasn't too, too much, um, which is another reason why I probably won't do this again because it should have been like six barrels worth of product. Mm. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, I think this is, well, this is 100% French oak. Uh, and in the barrel for twenty two months. And then we um bottled it by hand as well. It's in 500 ml bottles. And I'm not sure what the price this will be when it comes out. Um, it won't be inexpensive. Um, but we'll see where it has to also be competitive. So why do you go for 500
0: ml bottles instead of 750?
1: Um, I just was like if I op- I thought it'd be I thought the consumer would be more likely to open 500 mls than 750. If it's 750 you sit in someone's cellar and they'd never find the right moment to open it but 500 a little more approachable and guessing the price would be a little more extraordinary on it as well um it just kept it a little more price savvy as well in the end which but that price is elusive right now because they don't have an answer <laughs> so um oh, it, go ahead i was going to say it's, it's named uh, it's called the banister oh um, there's always a story there's yeah. always a story yes so the story is is that uh the main barn on the property here was built in 1882 the house in 1883 and when they're building the house, the barn was struck by lightning and had to burn and burn to the ground. So they had to rebuild it in eighteen eighty four. Well, they ran out of wood on the property to build another barn, so they had to buy another farm. And on that farm was extraordinary huge, large cherry trees. And so the cherry wood of the banister in this house is from the purchased farm that they had to buy in order to make good enough wood to build a new barn. So that's the story.
0: You've already jumped it's ahead always to the ice a
2: story. Line. I, I have. And um... Um, it's called the wisteria tree. We're not uh, going to talk about. The, we're not going to talk about the Apacimento
0: The wine. Um, well, would you want to say something? I'm just waiting to hear What you have to say about it? Uh, it I just. I don't think a is is Michael's style.
1: I. I couldn't tell. It was really hard to figure that out. I know. <laughs> no. I. I.
2: It's. But it's. It. To me. Um. It doesn't seem to have the weight of an apacimento no. wine that it should have. Gr- uh, granted it has the sixteen point five. It it feels very light uh for for an apacimento. I think that's why I, I asked about oak tree And I'm not I'm not sure why. Mm-hmm. Um it in it, it's fully dried, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it it doesn't have the weight, it doesn't have the color, it doesn't have A lot of the things that I would expect in a Passamento slash this would theoretically be an Amarone. Mm. And it just doesn't have it. Um, I like the flavor. I think it's a tasty wine. It's just if anybody walks in and says, you know, do you have like an an Amarone style wine? And you pour that for them, they're going to be very confused because Mm. as I was watching Andre taste it, I could see the wall behind it. And I was like, mm. an Amarone wine is deep, it's dark, it's dense. It'll take 20 years to actually become something you want to bring to the table. It's kind of like your first yeah, boyfriend, I'm that, that kind of it. thing. I'm curious.
0: And, and I think that's what your intention is with that, like you said, with the yeah. 500 mil.
1: Yeah, uh, and it, it's, um, it's, it's, it's very tight. Like it, it, um, I find it, the aromatics are, are closed. It's not uh, it's not jumping-on-the-glass type thing at me. Um, it would you just open it as well. Um, but sixteen percent alcohol. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't come across overly hot. So it tells me it has some goods. It has some. Some uh, or would be. But it's ready to drink. Hot, as far as I'm so. concerned, right you think now. So, yeah. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Oh.
2: I, I think mm-hmm. it 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 drinks very well. Uh, very well now. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's because it's got. Uh, oh no, it's an uh, an eighteen. So, but it drinks right. very well now. Um, but it doesn't have, to me, the mm-hmm. complexity that Amarone would have uh, at, at this age. Your turn, Andre. Now that I've shat all over it. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I frankly think that I agree with you.
0: I just wanted, I just wanted him to
2: say it, yeah. not me. All
1: oh, right, all oh, right. Good. Oh, it's the, uh, it's the burn. He, like, like him throw Michael under yeah, the I just threw Michael under then, uh, the bus. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. So I,
2: I've got <laughs> the burn of the banister uh <laughs> my rear end. But ice wine, though, I, I mean... It, I saw it, you it, run to what? the fridge to get a get a, a cold one in, and thankfully oh, yeah. so you did. This is, yes. But it's, it's one of those things, too, where
0: with... Um, I think ice wine is something that you and I forget about. And I know I, for, I, know I forget Canada's about it. Canada's most
2: regifted wine.
0: I, I still, I, I joked about it on the radio before that there is a bottle of like that original, like 1979 or 1977 Inniskill and ice wine that's being ha- handed around at an office oh, secret right, yes. Santa that <laughs> is like from the original one that no one's just ever opened. But like, mm. I don't know. i I've been trying really hard because I I have a collection of ice wine, just stuff that's been sent to me, stuff that I've I've purchased over the years and finding the right way to eat it. I think I eat eat food with it. Right. And drink it. And I think I've I've cracked it. It's just, it's not something I do very often. And like, I think you and I have talked about it. Hard cheeses, fatty foods. Fried chicken. Mm, I maintain ice wine and fried chicken. is Like, if you've never (laughs) done that, if you want an excuse, and you got to do it on like the hottest day of the summer.
1: Yeah, yeah. But this is cuz you now, don't you don't
0: pour a ton in your glass so you'll mm-hmm. hopefully go through the glass quicker if you keep the bottle in the cooler and like kind of sip and and munch right. on this, it. Right. This it this is this well. is
2: absolutely lovely. Um, it's now here's here's another interesting part. I find this to be also light. But I like the lightness on this one. Right. Because a lot of cabernet franc ice wine almost tastes syrupy. It's thick. Uh, here you have... Oh, uh, you've
0: preserved the acidity fantastic. Correct. So you've the, got uh, the
2: acidity, yeah. but you've also got a real lightness, a freshness um, that that I really uh, like, And you, but you've maintained also the flavors, but also on a, on a lighter scale. Sometimes mm-hmm. things just taste like strawberry jam, and they taste right. like full-on strawberry jam. It's like I got a mouthful of strawberry jam, and I'm like, I can only have a little bit. This... You know, I probably could finish a bottle of that and not really think twice about it. I wouldn't feel very well, as I've done that before. But this is this is an absolute beauty as far as as an, an ice wine goes
1: from Cabernet. Well, you are at the home of the Ice Queen, and so um, I think you should expect nothing less than some delicious ice wines wait, while wait, you're here. wait, wait! I've never and- heard you referred
2: to as the ice.
1: Queen. Oh, I haven't come either winery. I have I am not no. even gonna
2: to touch that with a ten foot pole.
1: Well like, I didn't know it was because of my lovely ice wines or my personality. So yeah, I thought maybe you It's
2: not the
0: personality. It's not the personality. But I was like, well, go on, go on, elaborate. Real like real yeah. quick. Like where does ice queen come from?
1: Oh uh, I think it comes from my years at Pilateri and all the delicious ice wines I made there and then that continued on when I went to Megalomaniac and started my own winery, how you know those awards just kinda stuck with me as time went time went on. Um I think the difference with the ice wines that I make is that I really work on the acidity and at preserving it. And um, I think that comes from my Australian training, believe it or not, that uh, you have to have that you have to have, it's all about balance. And that was so one of the things that's really comes in a bag from here? Is that what Well, you know, and, and quite frankly, sometimes it has to especially these wines, because when they come in, they're like four grams of acid. So it has to come from somewhere. Oh really? Oh, so, interesting. Oh yeah, no, there is super, 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 super low. So and um, you know, just tasting a few ice wines over the over the past weekend that weren't mine, and like, oh, this is really lovely. It's 200 grams of sugar, and what's the acid? Because there's no acid. You've got to have the acidity. If the, if the acid and the sweetness, the alcohol, the flavor don't make a perfect box, then there's a problem. So.
2: Yeah. So this, I, I find that I find the acidity on point. I find the flavors on point. I find it light. I find yeah, it, the texture uh, is the uh, best uh, part about this. Anything. Mm-hmm it is almost to the point of being refreshing, and that's the weird part of that. But
0: the the acid, to me, also speaks to ageability, because I'm at the point where, like, I've got ice wines, I won't touch them unless they've been in the cellar for 10 years, mm-hmm. just, if anything, to help things come together. I also think it's fun when you open Riesling or Vidal ice wine after 10 or 15 years, and they're not
1: white anymore. And right, have right. a golden color to it. This is, why, this is a 2016 ice wine, and it, it was fermented in oak as well, because there's only... 250 liters so i had to do 200 like how, do, how do i prevent 250 liters so um yeah 225 it was fermented in a barrel up. a
2: little it. bathtub gin bathtub yeah, ice yeah wine. it's not
1: my style no <laughs> and so anyway um yeah so I had some and it was a bit more of a neutral french oak barrel that had been in use for three or four years so um it's not heavy in the oak at all in fact it's very little just to add texture and roundness to it which would be one of those other layers and of flavor that you're getting, and also protect the wine as time goes on as well. So,
2: see, I, I, will say this: I, I spat the majority of my uh, my passamento. I, I believe I've, I've swallowed every last drop of this ice wine. It's, uh, it's just really.
1: You're not supposed to spit ice wine. Correct. So it's illegal. It's illegal in <laughs> Canada anyway. So. <laughs> it's okay, so I
2: guess before we,
0: before we wrap,
2: it's a question for Michael: Have you learned anything about Cabernet Franc today? I didn't realize that there was uh, uh, that loose bunch uh, thing. Yeah,
0: that is a little mind-blowing. That is really fascinating to the site. And I mean, that's something that, like, running ADX and dealing with this year, especially, like, having people tell me that I would get access to a certain amount of fruit and have that immediately dissipate from weather conditions, and it's not Sour grapes to any of the grape growers, but just the conditions. But what is uh, the clone number? Is there a clone number, or is it just another know. Sue
2: Ann Staff clone?
1: <laughs> it's the Sue Ann Staff clone. Oh, okay. I don't know the number. Oh, so right. No. So no.
2: okay, but there, but there is a there is a like a UC Davis number. Or there something. be something
1: somewhere. There yeah,
2: is yeah. a number. Okay,
0: yeah. so but. Yeah. I, I think that's something we might need to unpack, like just down the road, since we're already well over one hour. Mm. Congratulations, you beat Thomas.
1: Right, yeah, <laughs> score. <laughs> well, you should have four nine wines
0: to do it. He does yes. it in five. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Is your nine wines? Is there, is there anything that you want? Okay, and let's not talk about like a um, an, an average consumer. A consumer is mm-hmm. coming in here on a tour bus, but to mm-hmm. people who know about wine, what is like what is something you would like to teach them about Cabernet Franc and your approach to Cabernet Franc?
1: Well, they, the Cabernet Franc exists in some ways. A lot of times, they don't they don't know the variety, and it is probably the most one of the more obscure Bordeaux grape varieties. It's something that we really need to champion here in Niagara. That it, it has the ability to make it through the winters and get the ripeness through um, through the growing season to make beautiful, gorgeous wines. Um, I think as far as in the production end, you know, just don't overcrop it. Wait as long as humanly possible to pick it. If you're in any doubt. So the 2019, for instance, we picked it in the snow. It was two th- It was um, November 11th, and uh, there was about uh, three inches of fluffy snow on the ground when we harvested it. So you know what? That's what you need to do to wait. Uh, don't push. Do not push Cabernet Franc in timing or in yields, or else you pay for it.
2: And done. This is where we
0: usually start giving up the social media handles. How can people find you, Suman?
1: Oh, yeah. So hop on uh, Facebook, uh, Sue Ann Staff, or uh, Sue Ann Staff Estate State Winery. Uh, internet, wwwsue Uh We have an Instagram account, too. I don't really... Sue Ann Staff of State Winery, I think it is. If you is. start sure. typing so, yeah.
2: in Sue Ann Staff,
1: you're going to find it. If you go sue hyphen. I hope it comes up.
0: <laughs> Here's the thing I like, like, is that you you, you you messed up the beginning of the <laughs> podcast, but you totally nailed the wrap-up of the podcast, the, the self-promotion <laughs> part of the podcast. And that's what you're supposed to do. I I'm guess. Andre Pru from underwinerview.ca. You can support the, these podcasts. This podcast the very long podcast. Uh,
2: Patreon.com slash Wine. Take us away, Michael. I am Michael Pincus of michaelpincuswinerview.com. Sue Ann Staff, thank you very much for having us around your table. Uh, And we are definitely six feet apart here. Uh, It is really dark outside. I'm like looking out and I can't see anything. So that means good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.